Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Time to get ready for the day's action. From the sides to the totals and everything in between. Nobody does it better than the tough cover with Mark Henry. Right here on The Gambler. The cult of personality I know your anger I know your dreams I've been everything you want to be Oh, I'm a cult of personality I like Mussolini and Kennedy I'm a cult of personality the cult of personality The cult of personality Cover radio show. Mike check one two. Is this on? I haven't been here in what feels like a year. It feels like I haven't been in the studio. We've we recorded a couple pods. You know those pesky Nova Wildcat football team. They keep kept, on winning. They didn't want. They, they were playing want, good football. They didn't want the Tough Cover Radio Show giving out winners <laughs> to the people. Hey, hey, that's how it works. Uh, no, we, we've missed a couple. We, we've had some shortened shows. We've had some truncated shows. I've sent some shows in. Some travel stuff. It feels fantastic to be back in the iHeart Studios talking all things football, basketball, you know, a little baseball. You know, yeah. a little, the stove. The stove's getting a little hot. It's Cooking not, a little bit. It's it not going to burn you if you touch it at this point, but it's warming up. You know, you put the you put the tea kettle on the stove. It's like okay, it's warming up a little bit. Um, but yeah, there's a lot going on in the sports world. I, I not necessarily like what I would call. I, I wouldn't say mid December. Before the college football playoff is like the most happening time on the sports calendar, but it feels like the NBA is stepping up this week with a couple yeah. storylines. Sixers obviously close to our heart. We're going to talk about that. Let Sean cook a little bit about that at the top of the second hour. Um, obviously, we have Ballgate um, <laughs> with Giannis. Yes. Um, so that was insane. We'll we'll talk about that. But yeah, we're, we're we got a lot to talk about, but. On this show and at this station, uh, obvious. And by the way, we have Jeremy Horwath behind the ones and twos. Yeah, over here. Yeah, yeah. We're, WrestleMania right around the corner. Three months. We're officially in Rumble season. We're here. People are declaring their entrance in the Rumble. They are. We might have to talk a little wrestling at some point oh, on the show. Oh, don't tease uh, me. But and then I'm my co-host over here, Sean Bernard. You can follow him on Twitter at Sean underscore Bernard one. Sean, how we doing? 
Doing well. It does feel like we're getting these weird pockets of sports stories. The yeah. ball gate, the, all, all these kind of intricate storylines, the Draymond stuff going up in the NBA. So, so us in there competing against each other. Uh, we have the first game going on here, the Myrtle Beach Bowl, Georgia Southern and Ohio. I believe Sean Bernard, big on Georgia Southern in yeah. this game. Big Georgia Southern guy. All right, all right. I'm, I picked them in the pool, but uh, I, I, I'd, I'd be lying if I said my my enthusiasm for bowl games is what it once was. Um, I, I definitely have lost a little bit of luster. We're going to focus a little bit more on the playoff, a little bit more on the bowl game next week. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I did wear this hoodie for a reason. Sean Bernard is, right. is hyped up. His boy, Riley Leonard from Duke, transfers to Notre Dame this upcoming season. He's an NFL prospect. He's projected to go like first round next year. It'd be weird for Notre Dame to have a, a guy in the NFL like that. Even Sam Hartman. I was super excited about Hartman. Um, and he was never an NFL guy though. Mm-hmm. He was, he was at Wake Forest for a long time, not exactly an athlete. Um, so Riley Leonard is a different level. What I will say to throw some cold water on what everyone just just heard me, I'm I'm hyped about it. How could I not be hyped about it as a Notre Dame fan? I don't know how I'm leading the show off with this. This is bad <laughs> bad radio by me, but I, I will say they wasted Sam Hartman in a way. I'm a little worried that they're going to ruin Riley Leonard, but those are worries for nine months from now. For I'm sure. excited. I do I'm think excited. Riley Leonard is better than Sam Hartman. Yeah. Straight up, though. A college, I follow college sports pretty in a different way. That professionally, obviously, we have the Philadelphia ties, paying super close attention to those teams and all the national stories that kind of find teams that I latch on to. But in college, specifically, I'm very much a player watcher. That there are guys that attract me, I get tied to for both college basketball and college football. Riley Leonard became one of my guys this year at Duke mm-hmm. for sure. I think he's a blast to watch. I think he's a real deal competitor, and I think the talent's legit. So I do think it's an upgrade from Sam Hartman. I think he's the best quarterback that Notre Dame has had in quite some time. So I think there's good reason to be excited for that, but fair to be skeptical as well. That's fair. But let's let's start it where I wanted to start it. I shouldn't have got derailed there. I was wearing the hoodie. I got excited. I shouldn't have got derailed there with Notre Dame talk. They're irrelevant right now. They'll play Oregon State in a couple weeks in the <laughs> bowl game or in a week or whatever it is. Uh, but I want to talk about fantasy football. It's the fantasy football playoffs, week 15. It is finally here. Um, and I think we're in a little bit of a bubble here at The Gambler. It, it is Fox Sports the gambler right. for a reason. And at, on this show, I obviously we have the one fantasy segment we do, the Love Me Flexi, which we are going to do today. Um, but uh, besides that, we focus on gambling more than fantasy. I do bring up things. We've had Roy Burton on. Roy Burton's fantastic. Everyone go give him a follow at the BS line at GT Decision. He mm-hmm. helped me out with a with a flex uh, starter shit today. Um, but I think there's people out there in the gambling community who try to demean fantasy football or almost make it feel like it's this casual thing or um, it's not as important as gambling or gambling's overtaken. And my boy, John Jansen, you heard him. He's great. I mean, he's best we have here at the Gambler. He's, best. Right. he's, okay. he's okay. I don't know. I, I shouldn't talk too nicely about him, but he's, he's great. Jansen's great. Everyone knows that. I think he demeans fantasy football every once in a while, and he didn't care enough to set his lineups in our league this year. Um, he came in last place. He doesn't care, but hey, he tied Mike Powers. If they want to have a little Sacco Bowl, yeah. I, I think there should sweet, be a little Sacco Bowl. But sometimes they'll say, like, oh, I think fantasy football is dying. I think that is a take that's coming from the gambling bubble. Mm-hmm. Because fantasy football has never been played by more people nationally than it is this season. ESPN Fantasy Football Now, their pregame show last week, had more viewers than it's ever had. This week, they bumped it to like three hours on ESPN2 for fantasy football. 
people I and I, I have friends too. We we play in all these fantasy leagues and even them, they're they're big gamblers. They have been co-opted by gambling into not caring as much about fantasy football. I think people forget when you talk about that how many people play fantasy football. Everyone that's gambling, even if we're talking crap on it, we're playing it. Mm-hmm. Everyone that's casual, art, my dad, my uncles, right. my cousins, like even beyond casual, big fans, but not, you know, in the gambling industry, they're all playing it. Some people putting more money on it than others. I have some high stakes leagues coming up this week, as well as some fun kind of some matchups we have here in the gambler league. That's right. And that's going to come up a lot in the second hour, but we do have Sean Bernard facing off against Jeremy Horwath yeah! over there. We, that's going to be a a fun little matchup. We're going to come up with a, I think, a, a little bit of a, a little bit of a wager. It's going to be a cakewalk. Oh, oh. oh, talking that talk already, Jeremy. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> wow. I, I like it. I like it. And, and I have Luke Arcaney. You do coming up this week. Team Waddle Waddle Waddle. I am the Swifty Fan Club. Um, we are going to go head to head, and we're bringing them on in the second hour. We are uh, Darius Slay. Breaking news will be out Monday night versus the Seahawks. Wow. Uh, underwent arthroscopic knee surgery, so I guess the uh, all the talk that he has been we'll, spending shook down to the knee for this injury. Here, we'll talk about that. For, that we'll, we'll talk about <laughs> we'll talk about that at Donkey Brains of the Week. Uh, a little spoiler, but uh, yeah, that's that's a shame. That helps my one bet in that game. But anyway, we have a big matchups this week. Sean, Jeremy. Me, Luke Arcaney. Luke Arcaney coming on the second hour. We're going to talk Shohei with him. We're going to talk a little bit of matchups with him. We're going to talk a little Phillies with him, Yamamoto. Um, we'll talk, uh, you know, we'll ask him about the Eagles and Sixers as well. He's, he's a, he's a, he's not Diverse. just a, not yeah. just a Phillies guy. He's a, a jack of all trades there. Luke Arcaney. We love having him on. So we're going to bring him on as well, but just wanted to get that fantasy football thing out of the way. Let's move on to today. Let's move on to today's nfl games there's three nfl games first off you have an opinion on the on the saturday takeover here by the nfl um i originally i was very for it to be honest i think it loses a little bit of the luster of i want i want that madness of sunday of the when you hit the witching hour when all these games are going down that i do think it takes a little bit away from that i don't have an issue with it for like this week specifically when the the bowl games aren't very much of interest in today's matchup next week i think is a little bit of a different story with it I think it's okay to do it, but to be honest, I think the NFL has lost a little something by oversaturating themselves and spreading out on all these different days. That we now got Monday, we got Thursday, we got Sunday, now Saturday. We're talking four out of seven days. There's something to like the NFL being a Sunday day. And I get the Monday night football, I get the Thursday night football, I get spread now, but I think they've gone a little too far on the oversaturation that I kind of like keeping it, keeping in their lane a little bit. I get the viewership. I get no college football, all that. And you can't complain about having more football to watch, but I do think that there is something special being lost a little bit by going away from the just Sundays, uh, especially. So let's just go game by game here. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll start out with game one and let me just tell you, um, what, what's the Grinch line? Like, What's the ten foot pole Grinch line? I wouldn't touch it with a ten yeah. foot. Uh, yeah, you know. Yeah, it. I don't know what what the exact line from this song is, but one of you might be singing it next week. Mm. That might be that might be the punishment. But anyway, uh, I I wouldn't touch this game with a ten foot pole. Minnesota Cincinnati backup quarterbacks. Uh, I just really good coaches on both ends. I think. Um, I, I just don't know how anyone has an idea of what's going to happen in this game. Funny enough, I like to mention him sometimes. He's been getting more into into gambling. My dad. Um, is betting on has a little underdog parlay today, um, with with the Vikings, Steelers, and Broncos all on the spread. But I told him I think you're I think you're 
an insane person Maniac. for for picking it. either of these Vikings or Bengals. Like I, I don't know how you have any idea. If I was leaning anywhere, it would probably be the Bengals. Jake Browning has really impressed good. me. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have anything on this game? Not really, to be honest. I've rode the take pretty heavily all season that there's not 32 starting quality NFL quarterbacks. There might not be 15. Like <laughs> It's gotten bad this season when you look at the list of guys actually starting under center. Two backup quarterbacks. I do think Browning has played the better football, and the, the Josh Dobbs miracle run has absolutely ran away to the point where Nick Mullins is the guy getting the nod for the Vikings there. So. Yeah, it is a shame. I was rooting for the Josh Dobbs experience there, and it was fun while it lasted. So if I had to lean away, it would probably be with Cincinnati just because Jake Browning did look good. But this is a messy matchup that I want no part of betting on a backup quarterback like this. Anything over there for you, Jeremy, on this one? I think it's insane to put anything near the Vikings. Vikings have scored 13 points in the past two weeks, and at least Browning is able to put up points, dropping 34 in two games straight. I actually have the Bengals at minus three. Wow, okay. I I don't think this game's going to be close. Not that I think the Bengals are great. The Vikings have just looked so horrible against bad teams the past two weeks that I have no faith in the Vikings anymore. Something We might need like a drop or a segment for this, something like for these next couple weeks is who needs it more. Because yeah. I, I do start to think about these types of things. Hungry dog runs faster. Feels like the Bengals need this one more, right? Because mm-hmm. the Vikings, the NFC wild card shaping up the way that it is, it's such a disaster. Like you could probably lose two more games and get in if you're Minnesota. Right. Um, so I, I, that would be my guess if you're going by that principle. I'm not saying that's how you should base a bet, but if you're if you're leaning one way, right. maybe that'll push you into that way. Hundred um, percent. I do think since he probably needs this one more, I'm staying away. I I lean. I lean. Very slightly towards Cincinnati, um, I, but I can't. I can't make a play on this one. Another one I can't make a play on, but I have more of a lean. Game number two, four four oh five is that four fifteen four thirty four thirty. Okay, okay. I'm I'm all messed up over here. We got Pittsburgh and Indianapolis. This is a big time game in the ASC wild card matchup. People don't want to admit it. These teams are not interesting or fun to watch, really. But Whoever wins this game, going to be in a pretty good spot. Mm-hmm. Going to be in a pretty good spot there at eight and six, considering what's. I mean, this is a big matchup for tiebreaker reasons. Pittsburgh at Indy. This line has basically moved to a pick'em. Indy's now a one-point favorite. Who do you think wins the game, Sean? I, I lean Steelers on this one. This is going to be another ugly football matchup, and I kind of trust the Steelers to be the team to to go in and win it. That Colts coming out of a, a blow-off loss uh, at the hands of Jake Browning, Cincinnati Bengals there. So I, I have a lot of faith in the Bengals, or I'm sorry, in the Steelers to be the team to kind of gut this one out. I think it's going to be ugly football that leans toward Mike Tomlin. I think there's been a lot of chatter about Mike Tomlin lately, and I guarantee he hears it, mm-hmm. that he's not going to let the, the uh, above 500 streak die this year. I think he finds a way to scrap out a win in this one and put him on that path. So give me the Steelers, but not one that I love either. Is this on your picks list or just one if you were? Nah, just yeah. one to lean, not one I'm betting. Same thing, don't have a pick, yeah. but if I had to pick one, I would say the Steelers for the sole reason of Mike Tomlin. I I, I really struggle with this game. Yeah. Um, it's a pick em. Mm-hmm. I think the better coach might be on Indy's sideline. No. Stuck Mike Tomlin getting disrespected that's a little, no, 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 no. lately. That's a little... I'm not the guy that's going to sit up here and disrespect Mike Tomlin. I think Mike Tomlin is what he is very much. I, I, I think there's flaws to Mike Tomlin. Sure. But I think what Shane Steichen's doing this year, I, I, I don't think we can brush that off as Mike Tomlin disrespect. He's in the Coach of the Year conversation. He's with his backup quarterback. Jonathan Taylor's out. Like... This team just keeps on chugging along. They get it done on both ends of the ball. They, I mean, they've had some special teams luck. Um, last week it went the other way. They kind of had some bad special teams go against yeah. them. But um, yeah, I, I I lean Indy here. I almost lean. I almost say like 
bet Indy team total over 20 and a half and Steelers team total under 20 and a half. But I, I'm just staying away from this one. I, I'm just not. I, I can't get it. I can't get a good read on Eileen sure. Indy. I think they had the better QB play with Minshew. I think they have the guy who's doing a better coaching job right now. I just can't. Spiken. You were so high on the Steelers earlier this year that it's crazy that how much it's changed. Well, I I think how much has changed. We all wrote off Kenny Pickett, and he did not look very good. Didn't have a great season. Yep. But look how bad the offense looks without him now. Trubisky, it's a different level of bad right now that, than it was post Canada with Pickett than it is now with Trubisky. Trubisky's like fumbling snaps. He he's just not doing the basics, the fundamentals, like. But I wouldn't really give that more towards Pickett. I would take that a lot more towards Trubisky. No, that's for sure. Fair. Yeah. Yeah, 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 that's fair. I'm not saying Pickett's great or anything. Oh, okay. I, I'm just saying, yeah, I think there's, we saw it with the Jets even. like You see Zach Wilson, and it's like, oh, my God, how can it get any worse? And then you see Tim Boyle and Trevor Simeon, and it's like, <laughs> it got a lot worse. <laughs> yeah. like, never yeah. mind. We're wrong. So <laughs> I, I do think – not that, I think Pickett's better than Zach Wilson. But um, I, I think it's a similar situation. Trubisky's that bad. And it's funny because I don't think Trubisky's always been that bad. He's I don't had, think so either. He's had moments where he's been a passable backup. And before this year, I'd say, oh, he's a fine backup. But, Last year even. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I just I can't get behind this one. No. But – Night game, I can get behind this one. I have a big play, probably my favorite bet of the weekend um, on this game. Do either of you have a play on this game, Broncos-Lions? Yeah, this is the only game today that I have a feel for, that I love the Broncos at plus five, and I think, frankly, they win outright on the money line. Uh, seven and six on the year. The Broncos have had a major turnaround that after they got punched in the face, dropping that 70 to the Dolphins, they made a ton of schematic changes with the defense, and it is all producing results. They're getting more pressure. They're allowing less free just routes and available receivers. They're, the pressure's been the biggest difference. So when you look at those numbers, and I'm scrolling through to find them now, but they just have ratcheted up the intensity on opposing quarterbacks, and it's resulting in just turnovers. They had one game where they forced five. They the, I'm buying what the Broncos are selling from a team construct. That Russell Will, Wilson is still not going to be the guy that they hoped he was, but I think from a team standpoint that the defense is deep enough and they're going to win this game. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy, you on this I'm, one? I'm on the exact same boat. I think the Lions are kind of frauds yeah. in my eyes. I think they've had an insanely easy schedule, and when they face good teams, they they lose by a lot. Uh, so I I'm also gonna take I'm taking them at plus five I'm a little nervous to do money line maybe maybe sprinkle a little bit on there but I love I love Broncos at plus five. My best bet of the weekend is Broncos plus five. We are Ooh. all on Denver in this room a squad ride Broncos country let's ride there. there. Uh, and yeah I mean Sean said a lot there Broncos defense third in EPA per play since week six since that point the Broncos have allowed a completion rate of fifty five. Point three percent, the lowest mark in the NFL. Sean Payton, twelve and eleven straight up as a dog at night, and then teams to allow twenty eight points or more in consecutive games and then play as a home favorite are ninety seven one twenty one and two against the spread. That file that you know that trends towards the Lions continuing to give up the amount of points they gave up twenty eight to the lifeless dead New Orleans Saints offense. Like, yeah. How many bad offenses do we have to see this, the the Lions not show up against? I mean, last week it was a pathetic loss oh, even, like, against Chicago. There, um, yeah, I, I'm all over Broncos plus five here. I think Sean Payton's the coach of the year right now. Um, people all wanted to bury him when they were zero and four. They gave up eighty million points in that one game. Um, it, it was a disaster. The way he's righted the ship, winning six to seven. And it has been in a lot of different ways. They've won mm -hmm. a couple shootouts. They've won a couple low-scoring games. I think he's made some great decisions down the stretch in some games. 
Um, I don't think he's getting nearly enough credit, and I think he is going to outmaneuver Dan Campbell in this game. I think they went out right as well. Yeah, and Detroit has really cooled off from their hot start to the year as well. And really, their turnaround as a team was on the defensive side of the ball, that they've always been a team that can put up points. Looking back at last year, they were up there with the, the best scorers in the NFL still, but they were last in the NFL in yards allowed and 31st in points allowed. Looking at this year, they have not allowed fewer than 26 points in five weeks. They ranked 20, or 25th in the NFL in points allowed of the season. That's a great match for this Broncos team that needs a little help putting up points, but the defense is now getting it. I think on both directions that this leans towards the Broncos' favor. And yeah, I think they ultimately get the win and keep coding that playoff case. I like it. I, I like it. I'm th- Yeah, by the way, my take right now, the Denver Broncos make the playoffs. Take a I look so at their too. schedule, oh, especially yeah. if they win today. Denver Broncos are going to make the playoffs. They're, the rest of their schedule is really, really easy. I think there's a Patriots, a, a Chargers, maybe a Raiders. It's it's a really, really easy schedule after this one. Before we get to a commercial, I took a hiatus this week from gambling. I've been terrible uh, <laughs> at, at basketball lately. Can't can't find a winner in basketball. Let's let's find the exact the exact total so far on the college basketball and, and NBA season. Minus six units in college basketball, minus eighteen units. And the NBA, we're still plus 61 units in the NFL. Um, that's helping us out. But Shout man, out Jalen Hurts. Shout out Jalen Hurts. By the way, plus 57 <laughs> units on the year. Betting Jalen Hurts anytime <laughs> touchdown. So I am plus plus four units on now on Jalen Hurts related uh, uh, NFL. So I'm a Jalen Hurts merchant. That's, that's an insane number you that just said, wild. by the way. Yeah, but that I got is ridiculous. Action Network do, tries to do their Spotify rap thing where they show you your biggest wins. My five biggest wins were all Jalen Hurts anytime <laughs> touchdowns. Uh, it's yeah, it's funny, but uh, I am back officially today. I think getting a week off clear clear my head during finals week, not my own finals week, but college basketball <laughs> yeah, had right. finals week. They took a lot of games off this week. I had to clear my head. I had to do some studying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hit the and, books, and I'm back. And yeah. and here we are, midterms, um, and we are gonna head. We're gonna we're gonna sprinkle some college basketball picks in here. We got some good games today. Okay. Really good game. One really, really good game on the board that I have my favorite play of the day on in college basketball. But let's start with some some mid-major games. I'm going Utah State minus two against San Francisco. That line's moved up to three and a half. I would still take it. Here's a little take for you. Early on in the season, Utah State, sleeper. Agreed. Elite eight. Final Four type sleeper. They're fun that? too. They're fun to watch. They got guard play. They got a big man who scores. I think he's. I think he pronounced it Ozabor. Um, they they have Brown who has eight assists per game, leading the country there in assists per game. Um, Utah State Danny Sprinkle, a friend of Rico Bosco, that has to be factored in. We saw how his friends did last year. They all made some deep runs. Didn't go all the way, but they made some deep runs. I like Utah State a lot. I, I think they're a really fun team. They will be in the tournament. They're like ten and one right now. Um, I am going with Sister Jean. Wow. Um, I'm going with Sister Jean. Give me the Loyola Ramblers at South Florida. Um, USF is getting overvalued here coming into this game. You look at what I think they're getting overvalued for beating Florida State by a lot. Florida State's not good. This is a team that lost by 20 to Hostra. They lost by 11 to, to Maine. They lost by 10 to UMass. Like I don't think USF's a good team at all. You look at Loyola; they've at least been competitive with some legitimate college basketball teams. Um, I, I just I don't think USF is a a real team whatsoever. And you look at Loyola's losses; it's like Creighton and then other good teams. Like I, I just FAU, yeah, yeah, FAU exactly. That was in the uh, the Barstool Invitational, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think Loyola is a, a far better team. At 4:30, the best college basketball game of the day, 
by far, number one against number three. We have Arizona at Purdue in Indianapolis. That game is on Peacock. Big game for Peacock. Yeah, big time. Good get for the cock. Um, <laughs> and we got. I'm going with Arizona. I'm going with the Wildcats. Yeah, what? I lean your direction as well. I Purdue is a team that I still think is flawed. I know that they they have a ton of talent and a, a team that's going to be a top seed in the the NCAA tournament, be in the conversation for a national champion all year. Zach Eady, we know what he can do. We know what he can't do at this point. He looks even bigger this year. When you watch him, I mean, he's seven foot five and filled out as well. He looks even bigger to me by my eyes. But they're still vulnerable in getting him switched out to the perimeter. They're going to have their choice of shots. Arizona's going to have the athletic advantage. So I lean your direction as well, but don't have a strong feel on the college football board yet. I think they're they have the bigs to deal with Edie. Yeah, um, like with Ballo, a couple of other guys there. I I think they have the bigs to deal with Edie. I fall for this Arizona thing every year, man. They're so easy to fall in love with. Now Caleb Love there too. Yeah, um, they're they're so easy. They're Dayton Flyers. People nice. at anytime people talk about the Flyers in, in the city of Philadelphia, I'm like, wait, are we talking a ten basketball? <laughs> uh, I'm thinking Dayton because the Dayton Flyers, Dayron Holmes, Santos, they've got some dudes. Dayton, Dayton might be another team to watch out for. If I had to make a pick on anyone to win the A10, their two losses are to teams like Houston. I think it was a uh, maybe LSU or uh, another another good team um, that that Dayton lost to, um, but especially Houston didn't get blown out by Houston either. There almost covered the spread, but I, I think Dayton's a real team. Cincinnati beat up on some bad teams there. Um, I, I don't believe in Cincinnati. They're a team full of transfers. I think they're starting out hot. I think they'll fade. I like Dayton plus five there as a home dog in a game where I think the date this is a, apparently a big rivalry. Shout out to Dukes from Barstool, big Dayton guy. Apparently this is a big rivalry. And uh, I, I think that when you talk about big rivalries like this in state, I think Dayton's almost like the little brother. Yeah. Like you're probably upset you didn't get recruited by Cincinnati would be my guess. Like I think there's probably a little bit more motivation there. I think they cover as a home dog. Um, but last college basketball bet on the board, California at Ole Miss. Ole Miss is 9-0, and and I feel like no one wants to talk about it because Chris Beard's probably a really bad person. Um, he got fired from, was it Texas? Yeah, Texas for mm-hmm. a domestic violence incident with his wife, and Ole Miss was like, come on down! And very sad quickly. Re- very, very quickly, yeah. within days. And, and the sad reality about it is I think he's a really good college basketball coach. Um Bad goop, bad guy. Hard to know. I mean, allegedly. We don't know the situation. The wife is still with him. He didn't press charges. It's a mess. But almost, I don't know. Not, <laughs> not ranked. It's almost like people just don't want to like admit that it's happening. Don't want to have a conversation. Yeah, yeah, it's a little weird. I almost feel like Vegas is like ignoring it. Like They beat NC State by 20. They beat Memphis, who I think Memphis is like a pretty good team. For sure. Year. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I... I and you look at Cal, and Cal is a six and six basketball team. Has not been very good against the spread. Um, or no, not Cal. Yeah, Cal. Sorry, a three and six basketball team. I looked at their football stat for a second. Three and six basketball team, not very good against the spread. I like Ole Miss here to take care of business. Minus three and a half. You don't have anything on the board, right, for college basketball? Yeah, nothing. I'll throw one game in the mix. Is UNC versus Kentucky? We Big have game. it five thirty tonight. Very excited for that one. Uh, Kentucky tends to be, as I mentioned, I do end up following players for college sports. Kentucky tends to be the team that I gravitate towards when we talk about college basketball, and they got some guys this year. A little disappointed, DJ Wagner and Justin Edwards, two of the local products and guys that were expected to be considered for the top pick in the NBA. Neither one of them have really found their stride so far, but Rob Dillingham's the real deal. Antonio Reeves, incredibly fun to watch, so I'll have my eyes on that Kentucky-UNC game for sure. That's probably the one I'm looking forward to the most. Yeah, that's a good one, and to your point, 
I don't know which way to go. Yeah. So I'm staying away. I'm not touching it. But yeah, it, it, that'll be a fun one to watch for sure. All right, let's take a quick break. We're going to come back on the other side, and we're talking NFL. We're breaking down the Sunday and Monday matchups for the rest of the week. So on the other side, more Tough Cover Radio Show right here on The Gambler. Welcome back to the Tough Cover Radio Show. We're breaking down the rest of the NFL slate here. We gave out a couple picks here. I have, looks like, about five picks for, or six picks for tomorrow. Maybe one or two picks for Monday night. So let's just start with the one o'clock game. I'll start with a game I have a pick in. This is one of the, I have a couple picks that I had at the beginning of the week that I've gained so much confidence in throughout the week. And then I have a couple picks that I had at the beginning of the week that I'm looking at now, and I'm like, I don't don't know anymore. And this is one of those ones. At the beginning of the week, I loved Bears plus three and a half at the Browns. Mm -hmm. That has since moved to three. It is sitting there right at three. I still lean the Bears. Just from watching them last week, I think Joe Flacco is due for a regression game. I think this is... Probably not going to just continue where he's been excellent for them. Bears defense has been a lot better. They got Montez Sweat in week nine. They are sixth in EPA since that. They had 10 sacks weeks one through eight. They have 11 in their last four games. I think the Bears defense is a lot better. I think Justin Fields is playing a lot better. Um, It seems like their offense in general is just a lot more consistent and smooth. Um, I'm going with the Bears here, plus three. But I don't have a lot of trends to point to. I don't have a lot of stats to point to. This is like a gut. This is a gut pick. Yeah, I'm with you, though. And when we talk about this hungry dogs run faster mentality or the teams with the back against the wall, obviously a much different situation with this Bears team. But every player on that roster and on that coaching staff still has a ton to play for, whether it be their job, their future, Justin Fields and his future as the potential Bears franchise quarterback, or do they try and draft another guy? All these conversations are going to be dictated over what the performance is these next few weeks. So I still believe in this Bears team that they are not a dead team and a bad team in the way that you look at most in this spot. So I'm with you. I do think the Bears get the win. I also am just not buying into Joe Flacco in the year 2023 being a viable starter, even though he has looked far better than I expected. Give me the Bears in this one. I do think they win outright. Jeremy, any take on this one? No, no take there. All right, let's move on to the next one. Uh, This is the opposite. This is a bet early on in the week. I was like, ah, can I really be that confident betting on this team? And do I really, is this a small play or maybe I even take it off the card? But the more I look at it, the more I continue and continue uh, to kind of break it down. I don't know how the Panthers keep it close with the Falcons. Yeah. I don't get it. I don't know. I don't know how it's minus three. I'm not a Falcons guy. I'm not a Ritter guy. I'm not an Arthur Smith guy. 
Um, but the Panthers are dreadful. They can't block. They can't rush the passer. They can't stop the run. They can't catch the ball. Bryce Young's having his own problems. Uh, I just, I, I don't understand. This line should be a little higher. It's disrespectful to Atlanta, to be honest. And I'm I not a guy. Too. I'm not a guy who respects Atlanta. <laughs> but like, give me the Falcons minus three. They're twelve and thirteen against the spread after a loss under under Arthur Smith. That's not good. Doesn't sound good. But they're five thirteen and one against the spread after a win under Arthur Smith. So they clearly bounce back a little better than opposite yeah. in, in this situation for Atlanta. Panthers one and five against the spread at home, and four of those five haven't been close to covering. Give me Atlanta. But my favorite play in the game uh-huh. might be Falcons team total over seventeen and a half. They've wow. scored eighteen plus in nine of their thirteen games. Scored twenty four against Carolina earlier on this year. Twenty three plus in five of their last six. This feels. It, I get what they're saying. It's like they're not going to get pushed to score, but it's too low. Yeah, I the over under sitting at thirty three. By the way, and I still might think that's a, a shade too high. That I don't see how the Panthers generate offense. I even don't feel. I get they've done it, and it's Desmond Ritter and the a low number for the team total there. I think this is going to be an ugly snooze festival football game. A lot of punting going on. Not a lot of points whatsoever. One I'm staying away from completely from the betting perspective. I probably lean Falcons with you as well. I think they're just like a little bit further along and have a little more talent on the roster as a whole. So go with Atlanta. But yeah, I don't believe in either of these teams basically at all. And I think this is going to be a game you want to keep off to the side in your your watching schedule. Oh, it'll be on my main TV. <laughs> I'll be injecting this one into my veins. How about you, Jeremy? Where are you at? In I have one? Falcons minus three. I, yeah. I, I, I'm agreeing with you and everything you said. I don't think there's any reason as to why it's only at three. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Any, ta- any thoughts on the team total over there? I, I like it. You like, I like it? it. I, right. I, I don't necessarily know if I if I'm gonna bet it or not, but I mean, either way, I just I don't I don't see the I don't see the Panthers scoring. points scare me in this one. Yeah, all I agree. Yeah. Me yeah. too. Let's move on to another one, and even the games I didn't bet this week, I kind of have leans in all these. Jets Dolphins. Jets are plus nine and a half oh, right where now. Where you going here? I lean Jets. Wow. Oh, wow. I'm not betting it. Okay. It's not on the card. But I lean Jets. Tyree Kill banged up. I, I think he is that offense. Um, mm-hmm. What? Where are you at here, Sean? Yeah, I'm kind of in the opposite way that I lean Dolphins on this okay. one. I think Miami's kind of due for one of them. One of those just stomp on an opponent and put up a ton of points. Days. It's been a couple weeks now. Been really since the beginning of the season. They've definitely slowed their pace and slowed their their impact in in matchups as opposed to what they were doing at the start of the season. But I still think that's a team that has to be considered at least somewhat legit in the conversations. I think this is going to be an example of Miami showing their offensive firepower, the Jets being unable to keep up offensively. And I think ultimately the the battle of the the Jets defense versus Dolphins offense is where this game is going to be decided. And I give the edge to Tua and really the the schemes that are going to be put in place to make it happen. I think the Dolphins, when you look at they have this Jets game and their next three games to close out the season are the Cowboys, Ravens, and Bills. Tough. I think they have to completely dominate this Jets game because they're going to need some confidence. They need some momentum going into those last three games. So I see this just being a beatdown. Yeah, it just scares me. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not going to bet it, but if I had to lean one way, I, I would I would go Dolphins. That Tennessee, I mean, g- giving up that loss to Tennessee, is that's yeah. an all-time bad loss. That's a heartbreaker. I mean, that's choking away your real chance at the one seed. 
Um, and like I said, I think two weeks ago on the show or a couple of weeks ago on the show, maybe I said it on a podcast, but I think getting the one seed <laughs> mattered more to Miami than any other team in the sport. Not because you get some amazing home field advantage, but it, you avoid going to Kansas City. You avoid going to Baltimore where it's cold, Kansas City where it's cold. You avoid going to, you know, I don't even know who else is really in the conversation, but um, you avoid going to Buffalo, potentially, if Buffalo takes the division if, from if them. They, if they take these last games, yeah. You avoid going to these cold places and, and instead... You make teams come to Miami where maybe you don't have the massive home field advantage that some other teams do, but you don't have to go and travel to these cold places. Yeah. So um looks like that's not going to happen for Miami, though. Another one, I have a lean here. I can't do it. Houston at Tennessee. We got long neck Davis Mills playing <laughs> here um, instead of CJ Stroud. Tennessee, a minus three point uh, favorite here. I'm starting to think Tennessee is probably a little better than their record. Yeah. That was about to be my take. Yeah, and you watched that game against the Colts a couple of weeks ago. They lost that game because they had two punts blocked. Um, they went to overtime and lost by three. Uh, they eked out a win, but Miami, I mean, g- keeping it close to Miami was really impressive. Levis really impressed me for a lot of that game. Um, I think Tennessee probably covers this one. I'm not betting it. It's not on my card, but I lean Tennessee. I like Tennessee a lot in this one. That I think they are a far better team than their record has shown, and there's a scrappiness to this team that is really defines them. I do think Will Levis has given a little bit of a spark to the roster. They seem like they're playing harder. And to win that game against the Dolphins was a statement win for me. That everything went against them. When we talk about fumbling the ball at their own like goal line, them having the, the muff punt that gives possession right with inside the 10. These are things that when that happens in the second half, when you're down two scores with three minutes to go, and you find a way to win that game, that's gutsy, impressive stuff to me. That. I am buying what the Titans are selling to a certain extent. This team has not packed it in, I think, against Davis Mills, against the Texans team, which has cooled off and doesn't have C.J. Stroud. Give me the Titans in this one. Vrabel's doing a great job yep. um, just keeping them invested there. Anything there, Jeremy? Definitely a game that I'm not touching. Uh, okay. I don't know if I even lean one way or the other. Uh, I guess the Titans if I had to pick one, but that's that's only just because C.J. Stroud's out. And then now we get to, you know, our Italians having a moment right now. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Big moment for the Italians. It's Tommy um, DeVito's world. We're all just living in it. Yeah. yeah. And not to mention Tommy DeVito. Big Dom. Oh, yeah. yeah. Not to mention that. Yeah. Not to mention that. He's like the, the center of attention. But is, any news on Is he going to be on the sideline on Monday? Anything, uh, anything there for I would Dom? be surprised. I don't think there's been an official announcement yet. I would be surprised if he is. That's, that's a shame. I still, just, still barred from ringside. We miss him. We missed it. We missed Big Dom. Um, but I have a feeling the Saints cover here, five and a half. I know it feels like just so many points. Like I have this thing every week with the Saints, um, and I think Vegas has it too. Because you look at the Saints' lines week to week, Vegas loves the Saints. Yeah, Vegas thinks the Saints are the best team in that division. They, they've thought it all year. They were a massive favorite all year besides like a couple different points of the season. Vegas likes the Saints, and... Every week, every week, I watch them on Sunday. I'm disgusted by their coaching, by the way <laughs> Derek Carr plays, by their by their lack of aggression. And then by Tuesday or Wednesday, I'm looking at lines and I'm like, well, you know, Vegas is doing this for a reason. And yeah, and I talk myself into it because they do have a lot of talent on, on the roster on both sides. They should be better than they are. Dennis Allen's a moron, um, but. Like I said, I think there's a reason that they're minus five and a half here. Like Giants, story of the story of the week. Uh, they did play on Monday Night Football, so short short week for the Giants. I lean Saints, but I'm staying away. I'm I'm buying the Tommy DeVito oh hype train. God. 
Bring on the cutlets. Bring on the the hand motions. I love it all. I love it all. That Tommy DeVito playing some real deal good football. That to me, I was kind of looking at this as a Lin Sanity run, and it probably likely is yeah. one of these short term flash in the plan pan moments. But I think he's playing well enough to earn himself a long term NFL opportunity as a backup at least. And when you just look at him on the season, since he's taken a place to start, first off, three and one, a team record when he's the starting quarterback. Wins, I still believe, are somewhat of a quarterback statistic. The team is buying into what he's selling them, that they are rallying around Tommy DeVito, and he's making the plays. That as a starter, 65.9% completion percentage, he's thrown for 855 yards, eight touchdowns, and just three interceptions. That is just fine. That is enough. And it's been a spark based on what Daniel Jones was giving them earlier on in the year. Some of these on-the-run throws, him using his legs a little bit, he does have a bit of a dual-threat ability. Give me Tommy DeVito to to keep this going, get the win in this one. I don't think the Saints are that good, and I think the Giants are, are kind of rallying around and ending the season on a positive note. I'm staying away from that one, but uh, yeah, I, I'm i I'm definitely, you can't bet the Saints at minus five and a half. It's too many points, but that's the way I lean. This is, this is what I had on the card. I took it off the card. Tampa Bay at Green Bay. I had Green Bay minus three and a half. I got scared by the short week. They're, they're playing off of a dis- disappointing loss on Monday. Tampa's defense has been terrible, especially against the pass. Um, but I don't know if Jordan Love can take advantage. He's so up and down week to week. Mm-hmm. He's just so inconsistent. It's hard for me to know what he's going to be. Um, some weeks he puts up 30 in fantasy. Some weeks he puts up 10. He might be the biggest X factor in the Sean Bernard, Jeremy uh, fantasy battle here. We'll see what happens. We're, we're going to talk about it in the second hour, but you couldn't ask for a better matchup here for Love in fantasy. So uh, it's interesting. You look at like QB. I mean, I, I'll I'll just kind of derail real quick and talk a little fantasy football since I'm sure if you have Jordan Love, unless you had another quarterback who got hurt, you probably have another option. He's been solid. Like it's up and down for sure, but I like Jordan Love. I'm buying what he's selling. I am in on the Packers minus three okay. and a half here that I think this is the, in last week's loss to the Giants. Tommy DeVito hype train. Another one of my guys here. I'm buying Jordan Love on on the season. He's proved a lot to me as far as his long-term outlook with the Packers, that this is a guy I could see as a building block for this team. It is week to week. He definitely has his ups and downs. He's still very young, but I think against a bad Buccaneers defense, that that's going to be the difference. Is Jordan Love's going to lead this team enough, and it does scare me from the fantasy football perspective, Jeremy. Yeah, he's only ranked behind. You look at the, the ESPN fantasy rankings for this week. Jalen, Dak, Lamar, Allen, Purdy are the top five. He is sixth on the consensus rankings right behind those guys in front of Justin Fields, wow. in front of Patrick Mahomes, in front of Geno Smith against a potentially terrible Eagles defense, especially without Darius Slay. Russell Wilson, Matthew Stafford, Kyler Murray, Trevor Lawrence. These guys who have been pretty good all year, pretty consistent, or at least some of them pretty consistent, and they're saying start Jordan Love over them. I would say I'd probably go Fields, Mahomes, Geno, Stafford over Love, but I'd probably go Love over Wilson, Murray, Lawrence, Howe, if anyone out there has to make any of those calls. But um, for me, most of my quarterback decisions have been made for me by injury or by quarterback stinking. That's how <laughs> so I have been that, too. That's, that's most of my situations. I, w- I am definitely relying big time on Matthew Stafford this week in a big-time way. Jordan Love in mine is competing against either Kirk Cousins, who's on my IR, or Josh Dobbs. <laughs> there you go. There you <laughs> so go. who do you think starting out of those three? Chiefs, Pats, anyone have a play on this one? Nothing no. in here. Uh, Chiefs are scaring me. That I, I, It feels like... Don't, don't fall for it. I know. We have engraved in our brain that don't count them out. They're going to get up off the mat at some point. 
But I have some real concerns about this roster. I mean, what is going to change that is going to allow this team to turn around? Can the defense pick it up again? Can they be the defining characteristic of this team? We've never seen a Chiefs team have success built this way. That This is an offensive firepower team. This is Patrick Mahomes' show to run. And I don't have enough confidence that the supporting cast can deliver. That the receivers are legitimately bad. Travis Kelsey having a bad year for his standards. So I'm getting close to... Wiping the Chiefs off my, uh, at least down a couple pegs in my conversation with contenders. But for this week specifically, completely stay away. Yeah, I'm not touching that one whatsoever. They historically, even when they're in their peak, they don't cover uh, great right. a, as a big time favorite. So staying away from that one. Let's get to the, the late slate. Another one. Anyone have anything on San Fran, Arizona? No. Too big. Yeah, too I'm big. Yeah. Too, too, yeah, Twelve exactly. and a half points. Anyone out there? Yeah, the total forty eight and a half. None of us have uh, fun, you maniacs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Another one. Anyone have anything on Commanders Rams? Nothing there either. Uh I if you had made me pick, I would go Rams minus six and a half. But yeah. I am buying a little bit. Yeah, I still think it's it's a little heavy on the points there, but I do think the Rams are the better team. Playing some better football, another team that's been a little bit up and down, so i probably lean that way. I don't have a lot of belief in Washington or Sam Howell at all. I think we're seeing him come down to earth, and it's mm-hmm. crazy that some Washington people are still talking about him as the franchise quarterback, but regardless, I would lean Rams minus 6.5 here. Dallas-Buffalo, game of the week, definitely. A- <sighs> definitely the game of the week. And real quick, I have Josh Allen touchdown, as always. I have Jake Ferguson touchdown, as always, both in this game. This is another one I mentioned. I had a couple bets that I felt weird about and got more confident in this is one of the other ones where i felt very confident in the beginning of the week i'm getting scared Mm -hmm. i am on buffalo in this game i'm taking buffalo minus one and a half but i'm a little nervous that the entire football community is just now like accepting buffalo again as a super bowl favorite and we're just saying they're definitely going to beat dallas and we're saying you know they're the dangerous team. No one wants to play. You look at how they, there's a lot of teams in front of them right now. They're yeah. ele- they're in eleventh right now in the AFC. They they have to have a couple things go right, or they have to win out. Basically, I think they win this game, but everyone's scaring me. I I can't lie. I I really do try to just evaluate things from an on field standpoint. Um, they've lost a lot on their defense. Mm-hmm. I'm concerned about their defense. Kansas City didn't expose it. I am concerned that Dallas could, but. I think that offense will override that. I think the Dallas defense is totally different on the road, which we saw against Seattle. Um, the Dallas, I mean, Dallas hasn't won against a good team on the road this season. So that's why I'm going with Buffalo. But, man, it, I'd be lying if I said I'm not nervous about it. Yeah, I lean Buffalo on this one. It's a scary game to me. I really like the over at 49.5, That I do think this is going to be a, a shootout. Both these teams capable of putting up I a ton of points. Way. Yeah. So I like that from the the play perspective. I don't know about this Bills team. That it all comes down to Josh Allen, a guy leading the NFL in turnovers and in, uh, touchdowns and interceptions. So tough combo there. That is the the Jekyll and Hyde. That is Josh Allen. That you see the highs of the high, and you also see the lows of the low. And I think ultimately in this game, it's going to be a lot of up and down. I probably see this ending like a thirty eight thirty one kind of score. That I think it's going to be that caliber of shootout. So I do really like the over in this one. The Cowboys, I think this is a great combo of a letdown spot for them coming off that Eagles win and then the Bills in the back against the wall spot. The Bills are a better team than their record shows. So I'm definitely leaning on the Bills side, but a game that's going to be fun to watch. I would rather buckle up and uh, give a, I guess, examination and just analyze that one. And then a a great game on Sunday night that I feel like no one's talking about, kind of going under the radar. Mm -hmm. 
Ravens at Jags. Really fun one. I'm not touching it. It feels like a Jags line to me. Plus three there. It feels like Jags cover and kind of surprise people. And we're like, oh, are we not taking the Jags seriously enough? Are the Ravens overrated? Maybe a look-ahead spot for the Ravens going into the Niners next week. I'm staying away from this one. I lean Jacksonville. Anything for you? I like the under a lot at okay. a 43 and a half. The Ravens defense has get, has not gotten their flowers enough for what an elite group that they have been. On the year, they rank second in the league in points allowed at 16.8 points per game. They're second in yards allowed, first in net yards per pass attempt, first in interception, and fourth in defensive score percentage. Uh, Trevor Lawrence still a little banged up. Who knows what level that ankle will be at. I was very impressed that he played last week after it looked really ugly, the high ankle sprain there. So shout out to him for gutting it out, but it did clearly bother him from a mobility standpoint. I'm not confident that improves that much in a one-week standpoint. So I like it to stay under. I think this is going to be a hard-fought game. I ultimately probably lean Ravens, but I I think this is probably going to be like a 21-17 or even like a 17-14 kind of game. Yeah, no, I, I could definitely, definitely see that. Anything for you? I was going to take the game, actually, so it was actually the under. Wait, anything for Buffalo-Dallas? I think I skipped over you. I have Dallas in that game. Okay, Ooh, all, right, I ha- all right. I have Dallas. Now, the line is so close with the spread and the money line. They're both yeah. around, like, plus 110 and minus 110. So I am taking the spread. At, I have it at two and a half. But I'm not afraid to touch the money line either. I think the Bills are a really inconsistent team, and it's we'll see what side of the Bills we're going to get on Sunday. But the Cowboys have been going so crazy lately that I think they're going to continue that trend and uh i think cowboys are going to beat buffalo all right yeah i i'm starting to kind of get nervous that that's going to happen and we're just going to be talking about dallas as a super bowl contender all week but um sadly it's, i think it's going to happen too <laughs> yeah i'm i'm getting a little nervous now but all my all my when i set the line the discrepancy i had buffalo I, we're sticking with it i'm not letting myself talk myself out of it we're sticking with it let's get to monday night the big one i don't have a play on a side nervous staying away from the game i'm not not nervous, but <laughs> <laughs> but that reaction means you sound you a little yeah. nervous. I'm nervous about them covering the spread because I think they could win by three. I think they could win this game close, but I think they probably have like a seventy percent chance to win the game. See, that's a, that's a higher percentage than I would give them to be honest. Right now, that beyond the Eagles, when you put look at this in a vacuum, that a loss to the 49ers and a loss to the Cowboys is not a huge deal. But in the way that it went down, of them not really even having a chance to win either of those games for most of that matchup and really just being outperformed on every metric and every standpoint in both those games, that is a punch in the face. And then when you look internally at this locker room and kind of the quotes leaking out, people talking about the offense being predictable or an anonymous player saying that to reporters, things like that, none of these are good signs. So I do think that there needs to be some internal looking in the mirror from the Eagles' perspective. I think the sky will truly be falling if they lose this game. I ultimately don't think that's what happened. I think they find a way to get themselves up. They scrap out a victory against the Seahawks team, which I think is a fine team, but not quite in the conversation for this would be a bad loss if the Eagles lose this one. So I do think they get the win, but I am very worried if they don't. Their money line probability is about 64% if you look at it that way. So 70%. Uh, it's probably it's splitting a bit of hairs there for me, but I'm I'm confident that they win the game. But what I'm more confident in than anything else is that this game is going to go over. This this game is going to have some points. We this is going to be the same game Dallas and Seattle played. Yeah, in, in my opinion, I think it's going to be like 38-31. Um, and my this is one of my biggest takes of the fantasy week. If you're in need of a flex and you've had this rookie on your roster the whole year, he's, he's been inconsistent. He's coming on a little bit more as of late, but it's been hard to trust him. Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to have a huge 
game this upcoming week. Um, he is going to operate in the middle of the field, a spot that the Eagles are not exactly the best in the NFL at defending, uh, to be kind. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that you see Jackson Smith and Jigba have his full-on breakout game. Uh, he's had 7, 11, 6, and 5, and 7 in targets in the last five weeks. At least he's getting targeted now. He's been pretty inefficient with those targets, to be quite honest, um, and hasn't really turned a lot of them into big plays. Well, welcome to the Philadelphia Eagles secondary yep. and middle of the field. So I think JSN has a big, big, big game. All the focus on DK. And DK's ranked in like top five in fantasy. And obviously, for good reason. If you have DK Metcalf, you're starting DK Metcalf. Um, and you're excited about it. That's, that's another Sean. That's, that's another guy in, G, in, in Jeremy's match. He's got DK, there. Sean. Yeah. Yeah. But I think DK might end up being. Like I think Lockett or JSN might end up being just as productive in this game, or at least one of them. And no Darius Slay now, which is a factor in this for how they're going to match up. I'm curious what the Eagles do from a schematic standpoint, because they, they've tended to keep to the Bradbury and Slay each have their side and stay on it. Curious if they put Bradbury kind of following DK around a little bit. I would like for them to do that, because I... I, I think that's the best way to guard the Seahawks team, but that definitely opens things up all around. And the bottom line is you're, you're shifting things around and covering holes to open up another one in this Eagles secondary that they are the worst pass defense in the league right now. It has been nothing, no signs of life over the past few weeks to give me optimism. They can turn things around. Does look like Reed Blankenship's going to play, which is a big deal. He's the only guy in that secondary really willing to tackle. So shout out to Reed Blankenship for that. But yeah, I don't feel good about the Eagles getting a stop on any offense right now. And the Seahawks is definitely capable of putting up points. Five of the last seven Eagles overs have cashed. Um, I believe it is three of the last five for Seattle, but you look at the ones that have cashed for Seattle, they've went way over. Yeah. Like that Dallas game, 41-35. Um, like that, uh, I believe that there's one more in here that they went way over on yeah, against Washington. So I, I think that this is a game that we see 38-31 up there in points. Maybe if you don't want to... I know there's a lot of Eagles fans who are like, oh, I'm not going to bet the over because I have to root for Seattle. I do like the Eagles team total. Um, that would be sitting now right at 25 and a half, um, 24 and a half, 25 and a half, depending where you can get it. Um, I would take it. Uh, I think that they score over that 24 and a half, but I do like the over in general a little bit more than that, just in case. Mm -hmm. Protect yourself a little bit. Maybe you Eagles lose 31 31 24. We're not going to be feeling good, but hey, at least you cash the over. Let's take a quick break. On the other side, we're going to bring Luke Arcaney on the show. We'll be right back on the Tough Car Radio Show on The Gambler. Day and night. I toss and turn. I keep stressing my mind, mind. I look for peace, but see, I don't attain. What I need for keeps the silly game we play. Play. Now look at this Madness the magnet keeps attracting me, me I try to run but see I'm not that fast I think I'm first but surely finish last, last Cause day and night The lonely loner seems to free his mind at night He's all alone through the day and night The lonely loner seems to free his mind at night Welcome back to the Tough Cover Radio Show. I am the absolute worst at knowing when to come back in on songs. And we like play this game in the studio where I feel like Jeremy like judges me 
uh, about when I come back in on, on, on songs. <laughs> it's just um, the most random time sometimes. It's because I'm jamming out, and then I'm like, wait, I have to do radio. It's a banger. It's banger. Um, yeah, so that's like what happens every single time. And I'm excited to bring on a guest. Feels like we haven't had a guest on in forever. We, yeah. We've been doing the show from remote and sending it in. We've been truncated. We haven't been able to reach into our bag of favorite guests here. And we pulled out one of our favorites here, Luke R. Caney, even though... You know, he's, he's a friend of the show, mm-hmm. a, a close friend of the show, one of our most frequent guests. This week, though, not a friend of the show, <laughs> not a friend, not, not a friend not of, the, of the of the head coach of the Tough Cover Radio Show, right here, Mark Henry Jr. Because I'm facing off with Luke, team uh, team Waddle Waddle Waddle. Uh, I believe he's nine and five, going up against my I think it's eight and six Swifty Fan Club in the fantasy matchup, Luke. How are we feeling uh, approaching big time matchup? Uh, your quarterback out and down for the count. How, how my, are we feeling? Uh, my team is kind of going downhill going into the playoffs <laughs> right now. Um, but I do have Joe Flacco playing quarterback this week. Um, Joe Flacco is elite, so I don't, I don't think <laughs> really have to worry. Always has been. Worry there. Um, always has been. Um, but. It seems like it's going to be a bloodbath. You are you are projected to beat me by twenty points. Uh, I don't like this. Talk. I think it's going to be closer rather than projections. I don't. I don't ever love projections. Luke's trying to uh, talk himself into covering a fantasy football matchup, right? Yeah, now. I, I am. I mean, sometimes sometimes you just have to cover. You know what I mean? So um, it'll hopefully it'll be a good one. I, I'm not insanely confident as of right now. Uh, I do have uh, one, two, three, or three guys going today. Uh, Jamar Chase and uh, Jameer Gibbs. So, need some big days out of them for sure to hopefully have a chance right now. Well, Luke, well, let me let you in on a little inside, I guess it's not inside baseball, a little inside tough cover uh, talk we've been having uh, during the breaks. We're trying to come up with a little bit of a side wager here, a little bit of a bet. We got Jeremy versus Sean in the studio, me versus you. We're thinking, I think the two losers. Might be getting roasted. I think we might have the roast of Luke Arcaney oh, and Jeremy, or the roast of Mark and Sean, or the roast of Mark and Jeremy, or the roast of Luke and Sean. I think I think we get some people else involved from the gambling. We might have Sean Brace film, you know, record a Brace minute or two. No Jansen, yeah. get get a couple people in. I think we might have to have a, a little bit of a the losers get roasted. How how do we feel about that? I'm in. Hopefully, I'm not one of the losers, but I, I'd be in. <laughs> I don't know if it's a worse punishment. Good. Like a plan to me. Yeah, I don't know if it's a worse punishment to be a loser and get roasted or do the roasting in this case. They're both pretty rough. <laughs> well, yeah, but usually the the guy who gets roasted still steps up and like That's roasts true. the other people, right? So sure. I, I, you guys can have your comebacks at the end. You can come back after us. I, I think that there's something fun for that. We're gonna we're gonna try to work on that. Maybe it'll be part of the tough cover uh, holiday spectacular next week. We're not sure, but uh, I think there's something there. But let's re- you know we let's read off the matchup here for the. I know it's. You know, this might sound boring to some people. Some people say, oh, we don't want to hear you talk about your fantasy team. It's the playoffs, baby. We're all in the same matchups. People have similar players going. Um, I have Dak Prescott, Tony Pollard, DeAndre Swift, A.J. Brown, Puka Nakua, Trey McBride. I'm flexing a second tight end here with Jake Ferguson. Not I, yeah, That's a sick double tight end to have. That is. Yeah, they're, they're, they've they've both been been having a really good fantasy year. I had a hard time putting him in over Jalen Warren and James Conner, but it feels like the upside's a little higher. Yeah, I, I don't often like to flex those two tight ends and, and use two, but you're right, having the having it is kind of a nice luxury. I do have the Chiefs defense at New England, and some people are going to listen to defense talk and be like, oh. 
I don't want to. I don't care who you have at defense. I'm in a matchup this week in my biggest league. They had the Raiders defense. I am starting yeah, down like 52 to nothing because he had the Raiders <laughs> and Devontae Adams. So defenses can matter. Uh, I have Tyler Bass as my kicker. And then Luke on the other end has Joe Flacco going against the Bears. He has Jameer Gibbs tonight. Jameer Gibbs will be a big one. Uh, definitely going to need some action out of Jameer tonight against yeah, Denver. For sure. Devin Singletary at Tennessee. He's been pretty consistent, kind of, uh, you know, pretty average. He'll Give get you. consistent 10. Yeah, average. yeah, 10, 12, 10. yeah. Then it'll come down to guys like Jamar Chase, guys like Jalen Waddell. And then you have Cole Komet there at tight end. has been really good, sixth tight end uh, in, in ESPN this year. Then you got Chris Godwin. Been a little up and down there, Chris Godwin. He's been, but he's, he's questionable. Probably matters if he's banged up or not. Uh, but... You got uh, the New Orleans Saints defense going against Tommy DeVito, who Sean Bernard thinks is you know a top ten quarterback. All of a sudden, right now, right, right now, now, at this very him. moment, give it to Be me. Better than Herbert, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Tommy DeVito is no doubt more of a winner than Justin Herbert. If we want to put it like that. I did not think that I would ever be on a show that I was not the biggest Justin Herbert hater on. It's unbelievable. Yeah, Sean Bernard, next level Justin Herbert. I wanted the Chargers to win so bad on Thursday just for the sake of my narratives here, but that (laughs) not much to say about that. They finally did clean house and deserve a Lisa there. And then we have Evan McPherson, uh, the kicker there for. Luke, I don't think my, my team has kind of backed into the playoffs a little bit. I was like six and two or something. I'm like two and four in the last six, probably. So I, I know the projections look one way. I think it's going to end up being a close one. So that's going to be a fun one to keep track of. But outside of fantasy football, and there's plenty of football to talk. I want to talk a little baseball. Let's sneak, you know, let's open the stove. It's not, it's not burning. It's not piping hot yet, but there's, there's been some action in the stove. There's some things on the top burner, some, some things on the bottom burner here in the stove. Let's talk a little baseball. Shohei Otani, obviously, is the number one kind of guy in, in the sport, let alone who has signed, uh, so far this offseason. All the nonsense with the contract. I'm honestly, is it stupid to say I'm like I'm not that interested in talking about like my opinions on the contract? Nah, because one, it's a hundred percent legal. Yeah, uh, right. There's there's really nothing wrong with it, whether it seems like it's crazy or not, which it is crazy. Yeah. It's 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 crazy to say that a player's deferring that much money to to after he's possibly done with the team. Um, but what he's doing is completely legal and. Yeah really great for the team uh if if a player came into philadelphia and said i would love to defer that much money we'd buy all into it yeah Um, so it's what he's doing is may not necessarily be good for the sport in quotes but i i mean it's great for the dodgers um and it's the dodgers now we're able to give the extension to tyler glass now uh they are going to still be looking around they still are in the in the hunt for uh yamamoto um so they they, they are the Dodgers are going all in right now. Uh, they've given the this extension to Glass now, who hopefully Glass now can stay on the field for them. Um, it's, hopefully not it's for really us. Just, it's it's really just been an injury bug um, for him over the years. He's he's only thrown over a hundred innings one time in his career. <laughs> um, it's it's when he's on the field, he's gross. Uh, he has, I think, four different years with an ERA under three. Um, but granted, a lot of that has come. With not a big sample size in innings, um, so if if he can stay on the field for the Dodgers, maybe he just needed a change of scenery. Um, but that's going to be a really sick rotation, especially in 2025 once they have Otani back. If Otani is pitching, 
that year. Um, and if, if if they do add Yamamoto, that that, that rotation is going to be gross. I mean, it'll be Otani, Bueller, Glass, now Yamamoto in 2025, which is just really good, <laughs> like really good. Um, so the Dodgers are are definitely going all in, um, which has been the biggest team so far this offseason. It's been pretty quiet so far. I, I think it'll pick up. Usually once you get to like the end of December, beginning of January, that's when it really picks up. Um, but I think we got to give it a little more time. I think once you see guys like Blake Snell go off the board, and then once you see guys like Yamamoto go off, then you'll start to see the pitchers flying off the board. Um, and then once these hitters go, maybe like a guy like Bellinger, uh, e- even Hoskins. Hoskins has, has had pretty some of the big rumors so far. I know there was the one big rumor in Chicago, which has always mm-hmm. been the team that I liked for him to go to. Um, I think you'll start to see these hitters fly off more towards the beginning of the new year. Yeah, with, with the Dodgers, uh, it's so it's interesting. With Shohei, the day before he signed, it looked like he was going to Toronto. Turned out it was the Shark Tank dude. Um, so that, that didn't work out there for John Morosi. But so I, I was a little bit excited at that point. I was because I always figured he'd be a Dodger. Yeah. I, I think we talked about this like last offseason yeah, where it's did. like the Dodgers are clearing this cap. They're not spending as much this this year. They're kind of not going all in last year for Shohei. We all kind of figured that was what was going to happen. And then when the news came out with Toronto and, you know, there was some there, there was Atlanta rumors in there early on that they were going to be really aggressive after Shohei. I was like, oh, maybe he won't be a Dodger. The only reason it became disappointing was because I thought he was going to Toronto and that as a Phillies fan perspective yeah. that would have been the, the most yeah. ideal spot but Luke correct me if I'm wrong as a Phillies fan it would have been worse if Shohei went to Atlanta because we oh, always it would have been horrible yeah yeah we always horrible. assume LA is going to go all in if they didn't get Otani they would have just got three other guys right right yeah exactly it that would have been one horrible for the Phillies um Two, probably horrible for baseball because the Braves would have found a way to give him some like $300 million contract over like 25 years. Um, <laughs> but it's, yes, no, the the absolute worst case scenario was was him going to the Braves. Um, luckily, that did not happen. Uh, Braves have been sort of quiet. They've been making some like low-key trades, but nothing really yet down in Atlanta. They're, I mean, you know they're, they're going to get some big player eventually. It always happens. It happens every single year. Um, but... Yes, thank God. I mean, it's while it would have been nice for him to go to a team, you know, like the Mariners or the Blue Jays or even the Rangers were in the mix there for a little bit. Um, it's it is better that he is out on the West Coast away from playing the Phillies eighteen times a year mm-hmm. um, rather than maybe seeing him now just three, three or four. Uh, so it's it is nice, even though. He won't be pitching, uh, so it, it will just be in at th- that DH spot, um, and it's. It's a risk that I think anybody would have been willing to take, but it it, it definitely is a bit of a risk for the Dodgers. Um, with Otani getting the Tommy John and and not being able to pitch this season and possibly part of the beginning of next season, um, I it's it's going to be a contract that we can look back on in ten years and say this is one of the greatest, even though it seems like really big money. Or it's going to be a contract we look back on in twenty thirty three, twenty thirty four that been like wow, this is a disaster uh especially because if, if you're paying that much money for a guy just to hit that's a bit of a mm-hmm. it's a bit of a stretch i love otani he's the best player in the world he's going to be one of the best of all time he already is but you don't give a guy that much money just to hit in your lineup mm-hmm. uh he, he has to come back and pitch um and i i think he's going to it, it, it's just a matter of the dodgers not rushing him back uh because you don't 
you don't want to rush a player like him back into the uh, rotation. Mm-hmm. And Luke, you touched on one of your earlier comments about this potentially not being great for baseball. That was something that John Cruck hopped on the uh, Sixers broadcast last night and brought up as well. Yeah. So- John Cruck, by the way, just real quick, my buddy was at the Sixers game last night as well. John Cruck was sitting um, right next to him, I guess, in, like before he went up to do the booth, which I guess was like right above their section. He was just like sitting next to my buddy in the in the section, like. <laughs> Talking to all the people in the That's section. Awesome. Apparently, he's just like he's just the man. Yeah, I was impressed with his ball knowledge too. He was throwing in some some Sixers little like he was with it. He knew all the the ins and outs. Talking about Tobias Harris adjusting to a role, Maxi's growth, all these things. But uh, he did mention on the broadcast as well this contract potentially being f- bad for baseball. So ten years, seven hundred million, six hundred and eighty of those seven hundred are being deferred. And not only is this legal. But it's specifically spelled out in the CBA that you can do this to an unlimited amount of money. So do you think this is something that MLB kind of looks at and tries to close the, I guess, the the loophole on? Or is this something that more teams might follow suit with? Um, not necessarily. I, I, I think it's something that now that it's in the new CBA, it's going to be here to stay. Right. Um, both of Otani's teammates, uh, Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman, actually do have money deferred in their contract as well. Um uh, He's deferring $58 million from 2028 to uh, 2040, Freddie Freeman. Um, and Mookie Betts is actually deferring $115 million uh, from 2033 to 2044. Uh, so Itani's really just the first major one, considering he's deferring $680 million. Jeez. Uh, but, there, I mean, there's been guys who, who, who have deferred uh, specifically on his team. Um, so once again, I mean, it's... Whether we think it's good for baseball or not, it, it is completely legal, right? It's, it's something that you are allowed to do. And it's something that if you can do and the player's willing to do, you might as well. Uh, granted, you have to realize that in 2034, when probably guys that are retiring now's kids are going to be entering the league, um, you have to realize that the Dodgers are going to be paying close to $70 million a year for a player who's probably not playing on their team. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be like the Bonilla contract on steroids right yeah, it's, Bobby it's Bonilla day it's basically what it is um so it's going to be an interesting situation for the Dodgers but you know if they can pull out multiple world series in that time it's it's all going to be worth it yeah and I think it was Big Cat um from from part of my take who said honestly that he thinks Shohei was probably going around and it was probably getting offers in the range of 450 500 million dollars straight up and I think his agents and him came up with this idea as a way to announce a contract that was record-breaking and hard to ever touch, but as a way where the value of this contract is not actually $700 million. Just if you look at an inflation calculator and you like plug it in there for expected inflation, it's really like $460 million um, in, in terms of when that will be paid to him. Uh, also, there's some tax stuff in there with yeah. it being in California as opposed to Japan. But um, yeah, it's it really comes down to the fact that I think this was honestly more than anything a way for Shohei to get the contract we all thought he was going to get before his injury and I do think the injury probably did drive down the other offers and I think this deferred payment thing was an easy way for him to get that big announcement it was also an easy way for a team to kind of get Shohei Otani like the Dodgers have to be more excited to do this than 10 years 460 million too I mean 2030, I don't even want to get into the whole, you know, 2034 doesn't exist basically in a Dodgers owner's head right now. He's yeah, like, let me no. think about, you know, he's probably like 70 years old, whoever, it, it's just whatever. So uh, the Dodgers, I, I think, are probably thrilled about it. Shohei got the big announcement where he was a record breaking contract. Um, so I, I, I don't even, whatever. It's too, 
I don't think that it's going to be something that American athletes uh, very often opt to do uh, because they're not icons in the way Shohei Otani is where he's going to make a gazillion dollars off the field. So um, I just don't think it's going to be a popular thing that's going to revolutionize contracts. So maybe I'm wrong on that. But let's go and look at Yoshinobu Yamamoto, um, who is kind of in, in kind of the biggest name left, probably. Well done on the pronunciation, by the way. I've heard it Killed about it. ten yeah. million times. I feel like so <laughs> I'm just ready. I'm ready for this guy to sign um, because I feel like this this market has been uh, been talked about so heavily the last couple of weeks. It seems like it's Yankees or Dodgers, um, and then the Phillies did take a meeting. But are we are we thinking that that's just a Scott Boris kind of? leverage situation luke or if we obviously we're not in on yamamoto does it say anything to the point i saw um you know no free ads for the other station but jack fritz uh, i saw jack fritz say something about the fact that he thinks yamamoto at least the fact that they're looking at him that they're still being mentioned for blake snell that maybe they aren't done in the rotation i, I know dombrowski kind of made it seem like he was but is there a chance that them snooping around on these guys has anything to do with them still actually being active in the pitcher market or is it them just kind of helping out Scott Boris. Yeah, I I think it's probably a little bit of both. Uh, I mean, I think the Phillies do want to add another pitcher. Uh, I think they they realize that they want to go into next season with another guy that can start or get moved to the bullpen. Um, just the fact that they met with Yamamoto is a positive to me. Um, the fact that it was only the three teams, right? The Yankees, the Dodgers, and us. Um, while there's been multiple other teams involved like the Mets um there there's there's been a few others um but it's it's nice to see and we talked about this the other day on the daily ticket it's 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 nice to see that the Phillies are really starting to push for these big names uh which is something that that hasn't necessarily been their forte in the past right they've they've went out and they've got their guy and then they've kind of just stood pat and they've picked up these little guys here and there but they've never really like been sort of a powerhouse in the offseason when it comes to checking in on these guys. I mean, we've seen in the past, like the Mets, the Yankees, the Dodgers, you, f- you feel like these teams' names, whether they get the players or not, you feel like they're in on almost every single player. Um, it's, it's, it's nice to see the Phillies kind of starting to build that here, uh, meeting with a guy who's probably going to get close to $300 million in the pitcher market. Uh, he's going to get close to around the biggest pitcher contract other than him and Garrett Cole. Um, but it's he's going to get a lot of money over a lot of years. Uh, my guess right now is around nine years, 270. Uh, I don't I, I, I think that's going to float probably around what he's making, probably around 30 million a year. Um, but even the fact that the Phillies met with him is a good sign. Uh, the fact that their name is in the hat right now, maybe it's not necessarily have any chance, but at least there's a possibility, right? And, and, if, and, if, and if you can go to a player like that and say, hey, we have this core, we're in this great city, right? If you want to come try and win a championship, you have to at least try. Uh, and, and the Phillies did that rather than all the other teams that are just kind of putting their name out there. Um, so I think it's good for them. Um, while I do think he, it's crazy to think that he's probably going to be a Dodger after all they've, they've added already. Um, I, I do think there is still a chance that he can come to Philly strictly because that they met with him. Um, I think, I think that's just a good side in itself. Yeah, and I wanted to ask Luke a little bit about this pipeline that seems to be developing specifically out of Japan with a lot of these players coming over now. It reminds me a little bit when you look at the NBA of kind of the, the European influence, how we're seeing these guys begin to come over and have more of an immediate impact. 
How difficult is it to like evaluate the talent? Because with Yamamoto specifically, I believe he's won three consecutive. What is the Japanese equivalent of the Cy Young Award? Yeah. How how much does that translate directly to him coming to the MLB? Because in the NBA, it's kind of a mixed bag between what we, these guys are playing with. It's gotten much better of late that we have kind of a more concrete of how these guys match up. And you see guys like Luka Doncic be able to take over from day one. But in the MLB and in the sport of baseball, how hard is it to kind of translate that from a guy coming from Japan to America like this situation? So I don't I don't think necessarily the skill set is hard. I mean, you can see this guy's curveball. Like it's gross. Yeah. Like that he he's gonna strike people out whether he's in the United States, Japan, wherever he's playing, right? That's not gonna change. Um I I think just the the way they play, um, it's it it's different over there, right? Like they like we watched the World Baseball Classic, those Japan games were different, right? Like they they were intense, like every game, even like pool play games, like they were intense, like these guys wanna win. That's the thing that it seems like coming over f- from these from these Japanese players. Like they they just want to win. Um, like th- all they care about is winning. Um, they want to come over, be the best player they can be, help their team. Um, and, I mean, you've seen that in Otani, right? It's it's obvious that Otani's going to do whatever he has to do to win. I mean, the dude pitches a three two ERA and hits fifty home runs a season, right? It's while he is a freak talent, um, th- that shows to where he came from and the leagues that he grew up playing in. Um, it's, it's a, it's a different type of feeling over there, uh, because Japan is baseball is just so big in Japan. Um, so it, it is nice to see these guys starting to come over more consistently now from Japan. And it's nice to see that the Phillies are in the market for these Japanese players, uh, because a lot of these Japanese players that are coming over to the States would prefer to have more Japanese players on that team that they're going to sign to just to feel, you know, more comfortable when they start and stuff like that, which is which is a hundred percent really cool uh, to know that they want to play with the guys that they once played with over in Japan. Um, but it's nice that the Phillies are starting to build that resume here, even if they're not signing the guys to prove that they they're they're willing to to take on these these Japanese players into their team uh, because there, there's really only a few teams around the league that have the, the history of signing these Japanese players. Uh, you think about a team like the Red Sox; they they've they've been kind of the big one. Uh, Yankees have. Here and there, but not not crazy. Um, so the Red Sox have really been the team that stood out. Obviously, uh, uh, they have um, the one big name from last year. Um, so it's they the Phillies getting these guys over here and just at least throwing their name in the hat, like we said. Uh, uh, like Young Hu Lee went to the Giants. That was a good signing for the Giants. They finally landed a free a big a big name free agent. Uh, feels like forever since they've been able to do that they've they've lost out on what seems like everybody over the last like four years um so it's nice to see the phillies at least throwing their name in the hat for these guys who i do think are going to translate over here really well luke arcaney on the hotline right now at arcaney luke you can follow him on twitter but i wanted to i wanted to switch gears real quick because like we said at the top of the show you're our phillies guy but you're versatile i mean you follow you if you take a look at your twitter you're talking eagles you're talking sixers uh, on the timeline let's talk I was actually going to go the other way real quick. I, I thought I saw you tweeting about Joel uh, recently uh, oh yeah. being oh yeah. the MVP. Oh so yeah. I had a question that I wanted to kind of lead with. Do we care about the MVP? As a society, as Philadelphia fans, uh, should we care? if Joel, Should we want Joel Embiid to win MVP as badly as we did last year? Um, yeah. Yeah, we okay. should. Um, the the MVP is the MVP. Yeah. Um, it's when when we look back on Embiid's career, 
in 15 years when he's out of the league. We'd we, we'd rather him have two MVPs than one, correct? Mm-hmm. Like that that's not whether he wins a championship or not. Seeing two two MVPs on his resume is is great. Not not many guys win multiple MVPs in the NBA. Um, so it's and it's it's the fact that I we talked a little bit about this the other day. It's the fact that what he's doing right now is is just being sort of blown off as just an elite player in the league when realistically like he he's putting up like legendary uh, yeah. stats right now. I mean nine straight games with uh, what thirty and ten thirty and ten mm-hmm. like it's that that's gross. Uh, I mean he's third all time in points per game behind what Wilt and MJ like, yep. that he's doing stuff that we, we haven't seen in this league since Michael Jordan, now in Iverson, right? Since these guys in the nineties to early two thousands were in the league. Um, and, and it's just sort of getting blown off because we're in such a, a world now where it's just Twitter, NBA Twitter is just full of memes and going back and forth and beat Jokic when realistically you need to sit back and watch Jokic and Embiid play. Like these two guys are doing, Stuff that we've never seen before, and and the only debate we talk about is Jokic versus Embiid. Um, so yes, I I I think we should be loving uh, him trying to get another MVP. I would love even more for him to try and win a championship. Uh, I think I think this is the best year he's had to do it. This is the best team around him. This is the best coach he's had. Absolutely. Um, I, I think this I think this this is the best opportunity. Um, so I I mean I think if if there's going to be a year, I think it's going to be this year. So I guess I might have phrased it wrong. I, I guess I'm saying, are we prioritizing MVP over getting rest? It seems like obviously tonight we have a back to back. Sean's telling me no, he's not on the injury report today or Correct. anything. He, he's going to play today. So. Could change, by the way, because they have like against yeah. the, the Pelicans, they did the last minute. He wasn't on the injury report at all until a half hour before, and they said he's not playing. So Dude, you can't. God, we don't have to watch any more Pistons games. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I saw it in they person last horrible. night, man. They're a semi-professional they basketball hard. team. It's rough. They're so bad. Mm-hmm. They're so bad. But <laughs> to kind of jump on your point here is I absolutely think we should care about MVP. And Joel Embiid should absolutely care about MVP. Oh, I think yeah. it's so lame, the guys that act like it's not a big deal or they don't care. The MVP Jokic. is the most... Yeah, like Jokic. The MVP is the most valuable player. You want these accolades. That when everything is said and done, when the cards are settled, when you look at guys at the end of their career... That level of accolades matters. That having those that, those points of recognition next to your game, that matters. And we look at Embiid specifically this season. He's been the best player in the NBA. He won MVP last year and is averaging more points, rebounds, assists, blocks, and steals per game as last season. That's impressive stuff. He's leading the NBA in scoring for the third consecutive season. He does it on the defensive end. I get the playoff shortcomings. I get the critiques. But let this man go out and compete and let him get his proper recognition because he's been the best basketball player in the world this year. And frankly, I don't think it's that close. <laughs> there wasn't a question for Luke there. <laughs> I thought he was tying it back to a question for Luke. That's my bad. But I wanted to switch gears. Eagle time. You wanted to talk football. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it there. Any- we had some... Some news come out a few minutes. Ago. Yeah, the Jalen Hurts. Are you talking about? Hurt hurts the illness. But yeah, two guys didn't practice. I think it was Cunningham and uh, oh, who else was it? Cunningham. And the Darius Slade knee injury. Yeah, him and Jurgens both both did nice. not practice today. Um, so I don't know, man. The, it, yeah, where's it, it the panic? Seems, it seems like they are one game away from just absolutely tanking the whole season right now. Wow. Uh, like it's 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 not. It seems like if I mean if they go out lose to Seattle lose three in a row I I feel really bad about this team. Yeah. Um, injuries put aside, right? 
I, I don't feel great going into this game now that Darius Slay's out, right? We can talk all about what you know what he's been saying on these podcasts and stuff. But if you take Darius Slay off the field, it's going to hurt your team. Um, so the Seahawks have, I think, one of the best trio wide receiver cores in the league um, compared to a duo. They, they, they have three really good receivers out in Seattle. Um, I don't know how the Eagles are going to cover them for 60 minutes on Monday night. Um, you're going to have Bradbury, and then I guess you're going to have Ringo out there, Eli Ricks. I, I don't, I don't know what what their play is going to be. Uh, but I know you said JSN big game earlier. I'd, I'd, I'd have to agree that's probably going to be the case. And I don't like Bradbury's chances going up against DK Metcalf all mm-hmm. night. Um, I, I think this is also pushing now. I feel like to go towards the over in this game. Uh, I think points are going to be scored, and I think the Eagles' offense is. Eagles offense is probably going to have to put up at least 28 points to win this game, I think. At least. Uh, I, I, I think the Seahawks are going to put up probably three, four touchdowns on us Monday night. So if, if Hertz is ready to go and this, this offense is ready to do not whatever they did the last two weeks, um, I think they'll be okay. Uh, but I don't necessarily feel good about this game at all. Yeah. For Luke, for this specifically. So. I think there's almost two sides of the coin here that when you look at these individual results, losing to the 49ers, not a big deal in the scheme of things. Losing to the Cowboys, not the biggest deal in the grand scheme of things. But I do think the way that they lost is notable. And more so than that, I would say my level of concern is all these kind of whispers and noise around the locker room. Feels like fingers are being pointed, guys not taking responsibility. Are you more concerned at this point in the season with kind of the on-field effort and the, the losses in that column? or kind of the way this team has managed themselves? Because it feels like they've lost like a significant amount of confidence and just overall swagger from what was the case early on in the year. They're not, they're not playing with the swag that they had last year or the first eight games of this season. Yeah, uh, It feels like they're kind of going through the motions right now. And uh, since they've started doing that, they've barely beat the Bills in overtime. They got blown out by the 49ers, and they got blown out by the Cowboys. Um, and if it wasn't for a drop pass, they probably would have lost to the Chiefs in Arrowhead. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they they are they are a few plays off of, and I I know we don't like talking hypotheticals, correct? Because they're two and two in their last four, but they're two or three plays off of losing four in a row right now. Right. Um, so they 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 just have to find that again. Um, and I think it starts with your quarterback, right? It starts with with your leader, your guy who should have won MVP last season, right? It's it's a, a part of the fact where we've talked about how Hertz has always been such a very, you know, monotone guy. It's, it starts with the fact where maybe he needs to pick it up a little bit on the sidelines. Maybe he needs to start being a little more vocal, get this team back into it. Um, and, and then it starts from your captains. Uh, maybe, you know, one of your captains shouldn't be talking about his individual stats on a podcast <laughs> three days before a football game. Uh, but that's another story. Um, so, I mean, it's these guys like BG. And I know we saw the report earlier that Hertz and BG talked to the team in the locker room after practice. I believe it was Wednesday. Um, one of those days that these captains need to step up and they need to get this team back to where we know they can't be. Uh, I mean, this, this, Last year's Eagles team was was one of the best teams I've I've ever watched in Philly. Um, and the first few games of this season, this team looked fantastic. And yeah, um, you even think about the Dolphins they're just game. Not there anymore. And I I don't know what it is. Uh, I mean, Hurts turn the ball over is not helping. Uh, obviously, the skill players last week, all those tur- all those turnovers and fumbles was not helping. This defense is atrocious right now. Mm. Um, there, there's no there there's no pressure on the D line. The linebackers are lost. Uh, Leonard's okay, but I, I I was worried from the start that we were gonna treat him before he even signed here like the Lord's grace coming in <laughs> like saving everything like he he he's he's not the multi 
multiple time all pro like he used to be. Uh, he's he's a good enough linebacker to keep our head above water barely. Uh, but he needs players around him, and the Eagles don't have that right now, especially with Zach uh, Cunningham uh, not practicing today. Uh, so I, I I really don't feel good about this defense. I don't feel good about the side. Um, mm. It's it's going to be a I think it's going to be a high scoring close one Monday night. I, I think the Seahawks put up points on us, and I think the Eagles' offense is going to go out and have to win the game, which is what they have not been able to do the last two weeks. It's crazy, too. Like, the Dolphins game, we were so good. 31-17, right. that one touchdown was a defensive touchdown for Miami. We shut them down. The offense was great. Makes no sense where we are, and uh, it's just, like, uh, it's it's so frustrating. Hopefully, I just don't get it. Like, I don't get what it is. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I know the defense is bad. Like, I, I know the offense is turning the butt. Like, they they just look dead out there. Like, yeah. They don't. They're not fun. The Eagles are not fun to watch right now. Like, and they, I've, I've never had more fun watching an Eagles team than I did last year in the first however many games of this season. And they just like they, they're not exciting to watch right now. And hopefully that'll change Monday night. Um, but who knows at this point? Yeah, it feels like a different team. It feels night and day from what they were. And like it wasn't that long ago that it was those the vibes are high, that it was this fun-loving team with the attitude and the charisma that we all liked. And they're just not right now. And they need to get back to that. I do think, obviously, it's correlated to the play on the field with the, the when you're winning, it's easier to have fun and have these moments for sure. That's square one, that they need to get back in the win column. I do think that it's a little bit tied together, that there needs to be some stepping up from the leadership standpoint. These guys got to be the energy that this team needs, and they just have in these past weeks. So I do think this is a big one. I think this guy will truly be falling if they lose this game. But the bottom line is they're still a very good football team and need to play like it. No, I, I totally agree. And Luke, thanks so much for. I didn't realize how much time we had had you on there for. We, we were just shooting. We're shooting the breeze. I, I flew by. That so works. time flies that by works. here. Luke Arcane, you got to follow him on Twitter at Arcane Luke, and it's A R C A I N I Luke. Go check him out. Great Philly stuff. Great Eagle stuff. Great Sixer stuff. Go and check him out. What's the show? Um, when do you go on with Sean Brace every week? Uh, we're kind of here and there. Okay. Like, like once or twice a week, usually. Yeah. Not really a specific date, but just look out for the Twitter. It'll be on there. Yeah, of course, of course. And uh, yeah, go check out all the stuff over there on Twitter. Thanks so much for coming on, Luke. Yes, sir. Thanks, guys. That's gonna do it for that segment of the show. We're gonna come back real quick. We are we got a we got a couple breaks breathing down our neck here. But let's take a break and we'll try to come back here and get uh, a couple fantasy football points before we get out and a couple Sixers points before we get out of here. Uh, so keep it locked to the Top Cover Radio Show right here on the Gambling. Spreads, totals, and all the prop bets in between. It's the Gambler. Welcome back to the Tough Cover Radio Show. Right here, I love this song. Right? And it doesn't make any sense. It's so good. Doesn't make any sense for what we're talking about right now. One of my favorite beats of all time. Yeah. One of my favorite hooks of all time. I'm not a big Jay Z guy. I love huge on you love them yeah Yeah, yeah. no so he's got like a lot of really good songs but like most of them I wouldn't say I love because like his rapping like it's like the hooks are like the beat like like Izzo he also sounds identical in every song you can yeah I I think that's a little bit you can't even tell him apart not to I don't even want to get into Kanye West but I watched the throw and I thought Kanye won that battle. I thought Kanye won Watch the Throne. Sure, Uh, is that fair to say? Yeah, I'm. 
I'm gonna be careful on my yeah. pro Kanye. Uh, <laughs> yeah, same stuff here. here. But yeah, we're talking I, I think past that's fair Kanye. Statement. Yes, yes. It's like yeah, yeah, we're talking past Kanye. Just he, drop the album, man. Oh, don't I don't. I'm not interested. I'm not even gonna listen. But yeah, as sad as that is to say, uh, that's a whole other thing. Um, but let's talk a little Sixers before we get over fantasy football to end the show. Sean Bernard, we, we touched on it there in that segment. What Joel Embiid's doing is nothing short of like the best superhero. Like, I, I mean, we haven't seen anything like this in, in our life. Even like LeBron, when LeBron was at his peak, like LeBron didn't almost didn't care enough to put up like thirty four a game or like have you know thirty four ten and eight a game. Like he was almost living in that just like twenty six to thirty points every game mm-hmm. and, and getting eight and eight. He was, I mean, we saw, I, I forget what, isn't it like 28, 8, and 8 was like, he put that line up like yeah. 450 times or something crazy. Like, um, yeah, it, it's, uh, that was way more, th- by, by the way, it's probably like 100, the, number, the actual number there. But he, he's put up, yeah, there's like a LeBron line that he put up every time. Joel, what he's doing is incredible. And the best part about it, and we just talked about, you know, do you prioritize MVP? Do you prioritize resting? They haven't been resting him as much on back-to-backs. Just in the fourth quarter. That's the better. That's the best yep. way to do it. Uh, eight of the twenty-one games he's played. It's crazy. That's it, really hard to do. And I get some of it's against the obviously lesser competition, but don't let that be a knock. That the Sixers no. and Joel Embiid are doing what they're supposed to. That they are obliterating these lesser teams, blowing them out, and not needing your superstar in the fourth quarter. That is how it's supposed to happen. That is a victory. Don't look at that as a bad thing. That's the best way to get him rest. He's still playing. He's still putting up these inhumane numbers. In 30 minutes or less on the floor, I absolutely love it. I I can't believe the – it's like a significant leap, I would say, he's taken from last year. And I didn't even think that was possible considering he was the best player in the NBA last year. Yeah, I. it's just – it's hard to – I mean, Maxi said it after the game. He said, Joe, what am I going to say? And they were like, Joel Embiid's good at basketball. And he's like, I-, I will say something, actually. He's like, it is scary. To think about how good Joel Embiid is and how much better he gets every time he plays basketball and how much better he gets every game and how he sees things differently and, you know, more in depth every game. It's in having Maxi again, you know, breaking out at the same time and, you know, the way he gets to the hole and the angles he can get to the rim and get the ball up there. It's just, he's a special player and yeah. it's a special team. My, I was at the game last night. And you're not going to take much away from a semi-professional team like the Pistons playing <laughs> against us. But what I'll say is, and I was, you know, when we made the trade, I kind of put down the players we received. Um, what I'll say is Nick Batum is the type of guy that you can only really appreciate when he's on your team. He rocks. The little passes yeah. he, he makes, the connecting passes, the, the passes to the pass. Um, it, he is just, he's a connecting player. Um, he's a piece that makes sense pretty much any lineup you want to throw out there. Um, it, it, it's, it, he could not be a better fit with this team. Um, Robert Covington didn't play enough. Uh, he doesn't play enough. I, I think you see him when he's out there making the impact he does on defense. I think he played 13 minutes. He was like a plus 12 last night. Marcus Morris, I don't buy it. I don't think it's going to work in the playoffs. I don't think it's going to work against good teams. But, you know, he's been impressive. He's had big games last night, five for five from three. Um, he's not scared to shoot it. So yeah. there, there's certainly that. I, I Nick Batum, though, has been a revelation. Yeah, he. I would. He's borderline untouchable at this point. That yeah. he is that perfect connective piece. They run a lot of the half court sets through Batum as the primary decision maker too. And I don't know how much longer this continue because I think it's literally been every single game since he's got here. But the first play the Sixers run on a game is Batum comes up to the top of the top of the arc, gets the ball. Joel Embiid gets deep post position, 
and Batum makes an entry pass, and then it's literally either two free points from Embiid in the post, or you get a, a foul within the first minute on the opposing center. That's how the Sixers have started just about every single slacked. And that's also part of the reason that when Embiid is not getting these touches down deep, that's when you see him drift up to the three-point line and he gets out of the post position. That For all the people that complain about when he does that, a lot of it's because he's not getting the ball, so he comes to get it. When you have a guy like Nico Batum who can make that entry pass and get it to him in the right spot, it changes everything. And not even to add to the fact that I would argue he probably has the quickest release across the entire NBA. The way that he's able to shoot it without that dip is special and impressive stuff. So, yeah, he is perfect for this roster, perfect for just about every roster, and very happy that he's here. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, uh, yeah, we'll move on. We're going to obviously have a lot of time to talk Sixers throughout the rest of the year. There's a lot of time where it'll be only Sixers to talk yeah. um, until Philly season comes around. But, um, yeah, it's it's hard to believe how back in I am on a team that I swore I would not be in on this season. But here we are. I mean, Nick Nurse, Maxi, Joel, how could you not? How, how could you not buy into a lot of the stuff you're seeing? Um, even the bench is just it's so much deeper than it's ever been. Um, you know, everyone played last night, even Mo Bamba, people were singing the song when he came in a oh, little yeah. bit in my section. It's hilarious. But Paul Reed, by the way, what are your thoughts on the haircut? Don't love it. Uh, uh yeah. I, he looks, he looks taller. Okay. I think he looks taller with the new haircut. Don't know why you'd think he'd look taller with more hair. I think the I headband, know. I think the yeah. headband's a factor as yeah. well. I, I, I love my guy, B-Ball Paul. I has not been. Shout the, out RB. Right? Yeah. Shout out RB with the, the out the mud podcast there. Um, has not been the cleanest b-ball Paul year as a whole. No. A little bit of uh, too much of the craziness from Paul at moments. <laughs> it's it's difficult. I, I did like that Nick Nurse benched him for Mo Bamba in the second half of a game a couple days ago. I think that's a good message to send, and b-ball Paul is certainly not a guy above being benched on this team. So I, I kind of liked how that was managed. I ultimately still think like there's going to be growing pains. That is who he is. There will still be the good b-ball Paul moments, and what he is at his best is still worth keeping around on this roster, but slightly underwhelmed in kind of yeah. what he's brought to the table this year. Yeah, I did like that they played them together at one point oh, last yeah. night, Paul and Paul and Bomb, but that'd be a fun little backup thing to do every once in a while. But let's talk a little fantasy football matchup, and I think we are going to do some sort of roast thing here for the two losers of me and Luke's matchup and Sean and Jeremy's matchup. So real quick, let's take a look at the Sean Bernard versus Jeremy matchup. Real quick, Sean last week scored like 59 points to back into the playoffs here, but hey, they don't ask you. They don't ask you how you got there. They yeah. just they just make sure you got there. Job got done. Yeah, give me a ticket to the dance. That's all I'm asking. So we have seven and seven. Team Bernard getting in at five hundred, like the like the Marshawn Lynch Seahawks back in the day, <laughs> going against Jeremy Horwath's team, which is disrespectful to our future WWE World Heavyweight <laughs> Champion CM Punk, um, but. Team Bernard has Jalen Hurts, Christian McCaffrey, Travis Etienne, Mike Evans, Jerry Judy, Dalton Schultz, Odell Beckham, uh, the San Fran defense, and Justin Tucker, while Jeremy has Jordan Love, Bijan Robinson, Zach Moss, C.D. Lamb, D.K. Metcalf, George Kittle, DeAndre Hopkins, the Atlanta Falcons defense at Carolina, who I am relying on in quite a few leagues this week, go Falcons defense, and Dustin Hopkins kicking for the Cleveland Browns. Um, so that's going to be a close matchup. There, it's projected. Jeremy's projected to win by seven. Jeremy has the deeper team. Jeremy has more good players on his roster. But like I said earlier, Jordan Love, week to week, very up and down. He's the number 10 QB on the league, but you look week to week 13, 16, then 20, 26, 23. And then last week he had 8.9. <laughs> so it, it yeah. can really go all over the place. He's had huge matchups. Whereas you look at, you look at Sean's team. 
He's got the two best players with the two highest projection in the matchup with Christian McCaffrey and with Jalen Hurts. They could explode. They could win the matchup for him on his own. And I do think the matchup is likely going to come down to Monday night. Me with Jalen Hurts, you with DK uh, Metcalf. Jeremy, wow. too. So that's going to be fun. That's going to be fun for sure. Give me a flu game from Jalen Hurts, baby. Let's, <laughs> let's see it in action. He's got a questionable tag next to his name after those reports coming out. I don't think there's any way he misses this game, so still feeling good about it. But, yeah, that's going to be a fun ending to this hey, one. All I'm saying is that what DK Metcalf does to this Eagles team It shouldn't even be shown on television on Monday night, all right? And he's going to win me this first playoff game. Here's my take on the matchup. If Jalen Hurts and Christian McCaffrey outscore Jordan Love and CeeDee Lamb by at least 10 points, Sean's going to win. Yeah, I feel good about that, too. feel good about that. That's what it's coming down to. I think it comes down to Love and Lamb versus Hurts and McCaffrey. And they don't just have to outscore him because I think the rest of his team's better. Yeah. But if they can outscore him by a good enough margin, maybe you get a little bit of, a little bit of help from ETN or Evans. Odell's come on a, a mm-hmm. bit as of late. That could be big on Sunday Night Football as well, having Odell going into that. So, yeah, it is going to be DK versus Jalen. Um, if you're Jeremy, at that point, you're probably, you probably have to be winning. Going into Monday Night Football. For sure. Yeah, I would say so. With DK versus Jalen. Even though DK could outscore Jalen. He could. Absolutely could. But you probably have more to more than winning. likely it's going to be Hurts outscoring DK though. And a quick a quick shout out to to my father who I am playing in the league he's <laughs> been in since Ooh. he's been in since the nineties. Um, I got added about a decade ago. I think I got added like by death. I think someone I don't I don't wow. know. Jeez. I could be incorrect. Willed into it. Yeah, I, I might have been willed into it, but. Uh, I, I it's a long time league. Everyone in it has been in it for a very long time, except for me. I'm the young gun in, in the league. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I'm playing against my dad. We we've had a lot of fantasy matchups together against each other in the playoffs. I feel like we've we've traded them. He's won some. I've won some. This is a big one. I've got a chance to win this league if I win this matchup. So, Dad, I'm taking you down. Real quick, two more quick segments. We're we're running out of time here, but. Uh, do you have do you have Love Me Flexi queued up, up over there? All right. It's up and ready. Let's uh, let's get to Love Me Flexi before we get to a Donkey Brains, um, if we can get the Donkey Brains. But let's get Love Me Flexi going. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's me, Mark Henry Jr. Here to give you another Love Me Flexi start of the week. Yeah, we're going to the Washington Commanders. Not exactly where you'd think of very many sexy options. Not at all. But we're going with Curtis Samuel. Curtis Samuel, 19 points two weeks ago. 10.5 points last week. 17 targets over the last two weeks. Give me Curtis Samuel. Love me, Flexi. Start of the week. Outside of the top 40, it's, it's a shame. Jackson Smith and Jigba's the guy I wanted to use. He's like 36. Mm. Um, so really, the love me flexi truly in my heart of hearts is Jackson Smith and Jigba. But I had to go with someone who's available. Curtis Samuel available in 58% of fantasy leagues. So here's my problem. I'm starting Curtis Samuel in two leagues this week. He's my best option in another league. But I, I can't start Curtis Samuel in three leagues. I have to start T. Higgins. Like I, he's probably a better option than T. Higgins this week. But I'm getting in my one league. I believe. Oh, it's it's my it's my fraternity league. I am going with T. Higgins over that. And T. Higgins. So T. Higgins is an interesting one. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there deciding whether or not to play him. 
he just needs to get a deep ball. He had one deep ball. He didn't catch a touchdown on it last week. But him and Browning haven't connected for a lot of targets. So it's going to come down to deep balls for T. Higgins. So that, that's what his kind of thing is going to come down to there. Do we have donkey brains ready, Jeremy? Mm-hmm. Yes, we do. All right. So the donkey brains of the week. I haven't done this in a while. I have to update my, my spreadsheet. Darius Slay. <laughs> Darius Slay, you are the donkey brains of the week. I'm sorry you're loopy from getting out of surgery today or whenever whenever you just got it yesterday. Hope you have a great recovery. But in my opinion, and I've said this for a long time, I've had some arguments with my with my Eagles fan nerd friends who swear by PFF. Shout out my friend Dan Johnson. Um, he... They've been big Darius Slay guys since the moment he got here. I think 2020, right? He's been here a long yeah. time now. We were just talking, uh, remember the last time he faced DK Metcalf, and there was a three-week stretch where I think he got cooked by him, Evans, and Tyreek Hill. And this, I've had these feelings since then. He is a product of the scheme that Jonathan Gannon ran the last two years where cornerbacks played so far off the line. And even now, the side does the same thing. I think it really protects corners from ever getting beat. So he never gets beat deep. He never gets the burnt toast allegations when right. he was at his peak. Um, but he's given up a lot of yards in front of him. And he's going to say, oh, that's not my yards. I'm in zone or whatever. And I get that. I think a lot of what he's gotten away with the last year, couple of years has been because of the scheme and because the D-line was so elite that it hid some of his inefficiencies. He's not the tallest guy. He's not the best option for guys like DK. I think Darius Slay is a fraud. I've always thought he's a fraud. He was a good cornerback who got masqueraded around as some all-pro great cornerback. And not to mention, going on your podcast when your team is in disarray, you're a captain on the team, you're not letting people call you by your first name. I, I just, I got to tell you, he's one of my least favorite Philadelphia athletes of my lifetime. And that's about, like, there's been bad Philadelphia athletes. There's been bust. He obviously hasn't been that. But I'm just, I'm, I'm tired of it. Yeah, I'm with you, uh, and I mostly agree with the on-field stuff as well, but the biggest thing to me is what you said about the podcast and with this, don't be a distraction to the team, and it just is such poor taste to be retweeting your individual stats and talking about how you played a, a perfect game when the team got destroyed. Like, that's the point of this. So be a leader, be that, keep it within the walls of the locker room. He has not done a good job of that. Prayers up. Hopefully he's all good from the surgery and is back soon. This Eagles team does still need him, even though that, you know, there's concerns all across the board. But yeah, just talking way too much. Just stay out of the media, man. Stay off the, the Twitter, Twitter fingers. Don't be beefing with Seth Joyner. Just stay in your lane a little more would be my advice to Darius right there. Jeremy. You're not a donkey brain man. We don't, Darius. We don't know you're not a donkey brain man. You are our donkey brains of the week. That's going to do it for the Tough Cover Radio Show. Big time matchup getting started right now. Bengals-Vikings, 1 o'clock. Uh, that game is getting started right now. But the biggest matchup, we're all going to be waiting on bated breath. Mark versus Luke Arcaney. Jeremy versus Sean Bernard. We're going to be updating it on the Twitter timelines all weekend. So keep it locked to our Twitters at Sean Bernard, at Sean underscore Bernard one, at Joe Horoth 11, and at Mark Henry Jr. underscore. That's going to do it for the show. Thanks to Sean. Thanks to Jeremy. Thanks to Luke. Broncos country. Let's ride. Well, hold on. Let's all say it together. Hold on. Three, <clears throat> two, one. Broncos, Broncos country. country. Let's, Let's ride. Step into the world of power, loyalty. And luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. 
I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.